I thank you for the opportunity that I have this morning to share your word. I pray, Lord, that it would minister in both directions, Lord, both the one that's speaking and those that you've already prepared their heart to receive, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, first of all, I'd like to um, just thank the elders of the church for allowing me to come up and have an opportunity to speak. Uh, a few weeks back, um, Patty was up here, and uh, she came up right after Rick, and uh, she talked about uh, how difficult those shoes were to fill. So, <laughs> I just want to thank you that I have uh, some shoes to fill myself this morning after hearing both uh, Rick, Patty, and then Mike did a wonderful job last Sunday, and it's a truly an honor and a blessing to share this pulpit uh, with them and Pastor Ernie. So as I was uh, praying and seeking God uh, for a message, the message that he laid on my heart and the title of my sermon this morning is called Increase Your Faith. While I was preparing for my sermon, uh, I came across a couple of uh, notes. You know, you kind of look around, you're looking for things to kind of get an eye, a couple ideas, and what I came across was the first thing was faith and skepticism are like glasses. They color the way a person looks at all things, particularly revelation and the supernatural. Faith is believing in advance what can only be understood in reverse. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. All that I have seen teaches me to trust the Creator for all that I haven't seen. So this morning, um, I'm going to be uh, sharing a little bit of a, co a couple of uh, Old Testament stories, but I'm going to start in Luke chapter 17, verses 5 through 6, and it reads, The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. You see, Luke chapter 17, it tells us... Um, that Jesus is teaching his disciples about sin and about forgiveness. Jesus had instructed to his disciples uh, to ask for forgiveness. Even if somebody came and asked forgiveness more than seven times, he said, I'm instructing you still to forgive them. So the disciples must have known their weakness and said to the Lord, increase our faith. Jesus responded, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. So I have up uh, behind me a picture of a mustard seed, just to remind you of the size that Jesus is talking about here. You could fit hundreds of these seeds in the palm of your hand, barely big enough for me to see even with my new glasses on because I'm getting old and blind. So Jesus is comparing the faith that we need to something very tiny, as you can see. It's not the size of our faith that's doing the moving and the shaking. It's whom our faith is in. A small amount of faith combined with our big, all-powerful God will equal huge results. So one of the key ver uh, uh, words in this verse is the word faith. So because I like to fully understand when something jumps out at me in Scripture when it's a particular verse, I have to understand what that word really means. So I took a look at the Webster's Dictionary, and I looked up the word uh, faith um, defined, and it means to have complete trust and loyalty to God. The other word that I want to really emphasize are increase and faith. Sounds simple, right? 
I want to talk to you about a few Old Testament stories of faith that remind us how God works while we are trusting in him. So the first story I want to share with you is, is the story of Abraham. Because Abraham uh, is remembered as a father of faith. Abraham's story begins with God calling him to leave his family and home of Ur and go to the land where he would make of him a great nation. So according to archaeology, Ur was a prosperous city and a lovely nation or, uh, with lovely homes and buildings. It would have been comfortable and secure there. However, it was also a wicked city uh, with idols and pagan sacrifices. So Hebrews chapter 11 tells us Abraham obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going and that he lived in a tent. Sometime later, even though Abraham and his wife Sarah had no children, the Lord reminded him of his promise of his descendants would rather would be as a uh, number as the stars in the heaven. Then Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him righteousness in Genesis uh, chapter 15 verses 5 through 6. So when Abraham was about 100 years old and his wife Sarah was about 90, past childbearing age, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he promised. She became pregnant, she gave birth to a son for Abraham at her old age, you will also find that in Genesis 21, verses 1 and 2. Then the Lord tested Abraham by commanding him to sacrifice his son Isaac. So, church, can you just imagine for a moment, here we have Abraham, after being obedient and waiting for God's promise, he lived in a, a city where I would compare it like Chino Hills to like uh, Skid Row on L.A. So he was living in this, this area that was dominantly wealthy, that had plenty of jobs, plenty of food, nice paved streets, good community. And he, he's going from that to God telling him, hey, we're going to take you from here, but I need you to go here. But I, he doesn't know where he's going. But not only does he know where he's going, but after waiting for 100 years on a promise that God gave him. So during this journey, he left his home where he was comfortable. His wife became pregnant. Now they're living in a tent. Um, but he was obedient to what God had called him to do, because Abraham is asked to kill his son, the one through the promise was fulfilled. So the Bible says in Genesis 22.3 that Abraham got up early the very next morning and loaded his donkey with food for the offering and took Isaac up to a mountain to sacrifice him to the Lord. This is not only obedience, but it's intense faith. See, the Bible says immediately Abraham made the decision to obey. However, this command was merely a test. Once Isaac was bound and laid on the altar with Abraham, his hand reached out with the knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord crawled out from heaven, or cried out from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son, your only son. Please allow me to read Genesis 22, 15 through 18, because I want you guys, I want to back up what I'm saying. I, I know I'm up here and I'm speaking, but I have to back what I'm speaking with scripture. The angel of the Lord called out to Abraham from heaven a second time, verse uh, 15, now verse 16, and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, <clears throat> your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offering, all nations on earth will be blessed 
because you have obeyed me. So Abraham is known as our father of faith. You see, our faith, uh, Abraham is known as our father of faith. Faith results in our willingness to do God's will, not our will, but God's will. So for us, living a life of increased faith is living God's appointed place in this life, being willing to accept where he asks for us in his service and his testimony. You see, the Lord just told Abraham to go to the land. He wouldn't show him a whole lot of details about the journey, but he obeyed and went. Abraham believed in the promise. His life shows others' blessing that follows obedience. In Romans chapter 4, verse 18, it reads, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Verse 19 reads, without weakening in his faith. faith. That's, that's a key verse. Without weakening in his faith. He faced the fact that his body wasn't as good as dead because he was old. And since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead, but yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise that God had for him. Um, but God was strengthened, in, uh, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. So verse 21 reads that he was being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. So my question today, church, are we fully persuaded? Verse 22 reads, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were not written for him alone, but for us also, to whom God will credit righteousness. It's not our righteousness, it's his. We've got to take it back to God. For us who believe in him raised our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. So church, we are so blessed to witness uh, this verse 25 because for those of us that were able to go uh, down to the beach bash um, last Saturday, we got to witness this. We got to witness this um, on Saturday when Heather got baptized. See, here at Joy, we believe in full water baptism. Why, you may ask? Well, I'll tell you. Because water baptism is very symbolic. And Heather said to the world that day on the beach that the life that she lived was no longer her own. She died that day. So those of us that went to church, we didn't just witness a baptism. We got to witness a live funeral. But also as we witnessed her being submerged and uh, being buried, so to speak, we also got to witness her rise just as Christ rose. You see, in Romans chapter 6, verse 5, it reads, For if we were united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be united in the likeness of his resurrection. So here's my plug. So if you haven't been baptized, you should. <laughs> we could set it up after service. <laughs> right? The Bible says to repent and be baptized. So if you've been pondering it for a while, let's do this. We've got a baptismal right there. We'll fill that sucker up. We won't do the curb like I mentioned last Sunday. I thought about baptizing in the curb, but it probably just won't work this time. So God declared Abraham righteousness uh, in his sight because of his faith that God promised. Not by works, and it wasn't earned, but by trusting God. That was enough. So for those of you that are taking notes uh, this morning, uh, I, I wanted to share three questions with you. The first one would be, can you trust in God today with where he has you? The second one is, are you being called to go somewhere 
unfamiliar? And the third one would be, are you being called to do something outside of your comfort zone? See, the Lord's promises are true. He cannot lie. There may be some discomfort in your life right now, but remember, God's timing is not our own. He's not panicking about an obstacle in your life, trying to figure out where you're going to be next or what you're going to do. You see, God is not limited by time and by space. So why then, church, are we trying to put limits on a limitless God? You see, God is in control. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. If you're in control, then God isn't. So we would have to ask ourselves who's really in control of what we do. You see, Genesis 25, 8 says, Then Abraham breathed his last breath and died at a good old age. An old man, full of years, and he was gathered to his people. My hope is that we'll live our lives so that when we reach the end of our old age, that our faith, like Abraham's, will remain a legacy to others. So I want to ask you guys another question. We must ask ourselves that what legacy are we setting today for ourselves? I'll say that again. What legacy are we setting today? So next up is Moses. Moses who followed God's call through great faith. So Moses was born to a Hebrew family, but because the Jews were growing in numbers and strength, Pharaoh, king of Egypt at the time, ordered that the male babies be killed. See, Moses was spared this faith because uh, um, his mother placed him in a basket and he sent him up the river. Pharaoh's daughter found the basket, rescued the baby to raise her on her own. So just like Abraham, Moses grew up in a, in a palace amongst Pharaoh's family. As he grew, he learned about his family's plight as slaves. So once again, because of my lack of education, I had no idea what the heck plight meant. So I, so I had to look it up. Where did he come up with some of these words, plights? So, so I had to look it up. So for those of you who didn't know what plights meant, it means a dangerous, difficult, or otherwise unfortunate situation. So that makes more sense to me. How come they couldn't put it in there as he was in a dangerous situation? Plights. Eddie, Eddie, I need, the, I need the version that Mike had last week, the Hawaiian version. Maybe I'll understand it. Jeez, they got to make a street version for me, man. I'm telling you, because... Plight. I never even heard of the word plight before until I read that scripture. Plight. Unfortunate. <laughs> dangerous. Or, I know, I need help. Look at he, he gave me that look, like, dude, you need some help, brother. But yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. God is good. So, so Moses chose to renounce his royal family and assist his Hebrew family, but because of, because of it, he was banished from the kingdom. So God later called him back to Egypt and led the Israelites from slavery into the land God promised to Abraham's family. So after Moses led uh, the Israelites out of Egypt, he came to the edge of the promised land as a preparatory step and entering the land, Moses sent 12 spies to learn how to best conquer it. The spies brought back news that the land was as good as God said, but there were giants in the land and that they wouldn't uh, be victorious in battle. See, the the spies didn't have faith in the God who had just delivered them miraculously from Egypt. There was two spies that did trust in God, and that was Joshua and Caleb. The only two adults that entered the promised land, Joshua uh, became the leader of, the, of Israel because of his faith. So Joshua was the general who guided Israel in their victorious battles with the inhabitants of the land, 
when the walls of Jericho fell, it was uh, because of uh, Joshua trusted in God and his word. Joshua led, the Isra- uh, led Israel as a man of faith. So you guys are probably wondering why this morning I'm even sharing these stories with you. It's because I find myself going through something similar to Abraham, Moses, and Joshua's story. So here's mine. So like Abraham, I also found myself following God when I didn't know where I was going. How so, do you ask? I can hear you guys thinking, well, how so? But I'll tell you. So one day, my wife and I, uh, this is a few years back, um, one day my wife and I, uh, I had just got home from work, like most couples do, we talk about our days. And I must have been complaining a lot that day. Like, maybe I'm just the only guy that does. But, but I must have been complaining about what was going on with work. Um, and, and, and she said, well, Steve, uh, why don't you get, get your own license? And for those of you that know, I, 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 uh, I'm a licensed contractor, but I wasn't always a licensed contractor. I worked for other people for 20 years. And I, was, uh, I know I was complaining to my wife because I, I do that very often. <laughs> so I, I came home, and I was just uh, complaining about, oh, man, I do all this work, and here I am doing all this stuff for this guy's company, and, and I, I just, I'm getting the check, but I'm pretty much running his, his company, but I'm not being compensated for what I'm doing, but I'm dealing with all the stress. So she said, go get your own. And I told her, I said, you're crazy. You know, I said, you don't, you don't know hard it, how hard that is. And... Uh, so I began to go on and on and on and tell her about how hard it was. So I, I stuck it, and then I, I put it on the shelf for about a year or so. One night, Wednesday night, we were having a Bible, story, uh, Bible study at our house, and I was reminded about the faith that Abraham had when, he, when God promised him and Sarah, um, even at an old age, about having a son. You see, God began to speak to me and, and say to me that, I'm asking you, Steve, to step out in faith the same way that I asked Abraham to step out in faith when I asked him to sacrifice his son. You see, he just went. I just told him to go, and he just packed up and went, left his comfortable house, left everything on the road, had a kid, and he was living in a tent. And here, I'm asking you to step out in faith and and doing something, but you just keep complaining, and you put me on the shelf for a year. You see, God was testing me. God was also using my wife. Uh, giving her a message for me, ministering to me to, to start pastoring and preaching and to start a business. But I first ignored it, and I could not respond to the call that God had for me. I've been running for it, from it for years. But we all know when you're called, you can run, but you can't hide. Because <laughs> I know God, he always finds me. I was like, dang, you can't hide. See, I too could relate, uh, but just as Moses struggled with leading uh, the Israelites out of uh, slavery because he felt that he didn't see himself as a man that God could use for such a task, I too could relate to how Moses felt in this way, especially when Pastor Ernie would call me up and ask me to preach. I would find myself telling God that I'm not smart enough, not good enough, not educated enough. I'm just an ordinary guy with no church background. In fact, I'm the first generation Christian that I know of in my family. So I prayed, and I asked God to speak to me. So how many times do we pray and ask God to speak to us? You see, sometimes we don't always hear what we want to hear. And you see, the last thing I wanted God to tell me was, 
he responded to me in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, which says, But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to whom I will send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And I'm saying to myself, well, how come you couldn't tell me, like, you're dismissed? You don't have to do that. <laughs> like, you don't have to go and preach. Don't worry, Steve. We'll get somebody else that day. You can take a sabbatical, man. You know? <laughs> That's what I was hoping for. But, but God has other plans. You know what I mean? God is saying, no, you're going to go out there whether you like it or not. You're going out there and you're going to do what I'm telling you to do because no matter how much you run from it, you're still going to find yourself doing it. And I've been to this church, I've been to a couple other churches, and every church I've ever been in, I've ran from leadership. No, I don't, I don't want to lead the youth. That's not me. I'm not an upfront speaker. That, I, I'm more behind the scenes. I'll sit in the back row where all the, the hardcore sinners sit. Oh, sorry. My. I want to sit back there quiet and so I can escape, you know. But God always puts me up here. But amen. You just got to do what God is telling you to do. You see, church, naturally inside I'm scared and nervous because I don't take it lightly when it comes to speaking God's word. I am not capable of doing what God has called me to do on my own. I am totally dependent upon God um, to do his will. But I must do my part in order for him to do his part. So my question is, church, maybe God is calling you to do something. Are you doing the natural in order for God to provide the supernatural in your life? So I figured if Abraham and Moses could follow God through great faith, then so should I. As we read before, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. They came to the edge of the promised land, but before they entered the land, God promised them, they sent spies to the land, as I mentioned before. They reported giants in the land. So let's stop here for a moment. So another question I'd like to ask is, what giant is in your land? Everybody has at least one. See, what is it that you're allowing to stop, that you're allowing God from moving in your life? What giant is it that you're saying, God, I can't do it? So for me, it was, it's just fear. I was afraid. I lacked faith. But we're talking about increased faith this morning. See, some of us, we, we might have that faith. I'm sure we have faith. But maybe we just need to step it up a little bit. Maybe we need to get out into that comfort zone. And that's uh, in the realm of the unknown. And that's where, that's where Jesus is. So I had to do some hard work. So I had to study, and I had to study hard so that I could take the test and pass. So while I was taking my, uh, studying to take my test at the state uh, for my contractor's license, I was interviewing, I was working um, at the time, uh, other jobs. And for some of you that know me, during that time in my life, uh, I had just lost my job. Right, It was right before Christmas. So I had just lost my job. So there was a lot on the line. I, had, I was like, oh, man. I got a pass, I got a this. Um, so I allowed the enemy to place doubt in my mind that I would fail the test, that I, I couldn't preach or teach God's word. So I started to feel like the ten spies felt when they said, uh, the promised land is there, and it's good, as God said, but the giants are too big, and it's a battle I couldn't win. Because I, I've been saved for a while, and I, I know what God is telling me to do. I could see it. I could see the promises. God has fulfilled other promises in my life, but when it, comes, it came to the one thing, I was, like, I, lack, I was lacking increased faith. 
But thank God for the two spies who trusted God. They were Joshua and Caleb. Who are your Joshua and Caleb? You see, Joshua became the leader of Israel because of his faith. You see, my Joshua and Caleb are you guys. It's my wife that pushed me from the beginning. Paul, uh, at Bible study, I don't even know if he remembers, but uh, he used to tell me, Steve, step out in faith. Jim prayed for me faithfully. You see, my friends never doubted. They always encouraged me to increase my faith. So if you don't have people that are involved in your life that encourage you to increase your faith and to continue to walk with God, have a closer relationship with God, then you might want to think about changing your friends. So you see, Joshua went on to be victorious, be a victorious general and lead the Israelites into many battles, one of them being the Wall of Jericho. So as you all know today, I stand here in faith after passing my test, having been awarded my contractor's license, knowing that God is good. I also stand here today with increased faith, faith as I've answered the call to preach. So I'm not standing here on my own. You see, some of my giants and my wall of Jericho have been defeated because I stepped out in faith and trusted God. And I thank God for blessing me with brothers and sisters like you to stand with on a day-to-day battle. You see, church, this isn't a cornbread, crackerjack message. <laughs> I'm standing up here today because we're preaching the true word of God. You see, and it says here in John chapter 11, verses 43 and 44, it reads, For when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound in hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with the cloth, And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Why do I bring that up? You see, church, there's a lot of us in this church that have been saved. Yes, we've been raised just as Christ has been raised, but we're still walking around with our grave clothes on, and we're doing this. What does the scripture say? The scripture says, loose and let him go. We have to unloosen ourselves so that the Lord will set us free into ministry, but we've got to take our grave clothes off. So church, I shared some biblical stories of faith with you from the past. I also showed my st- I shared my story of faith that is current to show you that God is still moving in our lives. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he doesn't change his mind about you. There's no stepchildren here. <laughs> you know, I, I've been a stepchild and thank God that I had a father that treated me just like his own. But I know that's not the same case. But we have to know that Jesus Christ is our Father and that he treats us the same. We're all his children. We're we're not grandchildren or stepchildren. We're his children. The one thing that I hope that you got out of this sermon this morning is that no matter what it is, if God is telling you to do it, just do it and trust God to increase your faith knowing that he's with you. So real quick, I'm going back to uh, Luke 17, verse... um, five and six, where we started this morning. When the apostles asked Jesus to increase their faith, he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Church, I dare you to ask God to increase your faith and see where God takes you. As for me, this journey has been amazing so far, and I can't wait to see what God has next.
I'm going to ask the prayer uh, praise uh, team to come up and pray a little something. Church, with, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if this message was for you, and as a worship team uh, plays, and you just want to ask God to increase your faith, while the music's playing, would you just raise your hand so that I can pray and come to an agreement with you? Father, I thank you for, for those hands raised, Lord God. And Father, you know who your children are, Lord. And Father, I just ask that we would just be fulfilled and, and filled with your spirit, Lord, and that you would just give increase to those that need the increase, Lord. And Father, uh, you know us, and we might be thinking that it's something that we need. Just like I thought, I wanted to do something else. And how I've been telling everybody, no, that's not me. I'm, I'm, I can't come up there. I can't preach. I'm putting it on the shelf. I don't want to do it but you still keep calling me to do it. I just pray that no matter what it is, Lord, whether it's something that uh, our, your children uh, know that they want to do, or maybe it's something, Lord, that you're placing in their heart that they think is just too far away. But Lord, I just pray that you would increase their faith. In the name of your son, we pray. Take these hands.